Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Your choice is 
then you will make your choices wisely. And your choices will keep you much longer on the journey. Amen. Uh, just a round of applause for last week's message. Amen. Uh, we, I've got Brother Nova here. If you can stand here. Amen. Oh, so the brother, uh, you know, is from Congo, but he, he left uh, the sweeter today. Then he said he, he arranged the way brother promised arranged. So the wife, the fiance will be coming and the brother will be getting married. <laughs> That's right. Amen. It's good for a man to find a rip that understands him. Amen. God bless you, my brother. All right. Now, uh, yesterday I was there at the hospital. And... Uh, you know, Brother Trotty's son was run over by a car. I think few, few, few minutes, few weeks ago, months ago, the, this young man, how old is he, Brother Trotty? Eight. He stepped into my office after the service and said, I'm just here to tell you that the someone was good today. You know, sometimes you, you hear the statement being said, you look at who's saying it. There was a disconnect because the statement had so much weight, but it is a petite boy. Now, a few weeks down the line, as well, he walked around, he peeped it through the window and said, Pastor, the service was good today. <laughs> Amen. Now, the other time then I met him with his mom and dad there by Spa Safe Ways, I said, this boy is encouraging me. Uh, then we spoke a bit and they told me how at school he was very loved boy, loved by the teachers. Now, they later heard that the, he was run over by a car. I'm not going to go into the graphics of what happened because it's very sensitive. Uh, even the parents did not want the, the details. But it's a miracle that that boy made it. Furthermore, it's a miracle that there is not even one bone broken. I'm talking about where, for a few minutes, a cow was on top of him. But no bone was broken. So, yesterday he was in, in pain. And I rushed, I got to the nurse, I said, the boy is in pain. They gave him a medication. 
I mean, we're all overwhelmed. Uh, Brother Cloyd even said, sometimes you wish you can, you can take the boy's pain and make it your pain. While we were there, the lady that ran over, the boy walked in. And I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know what to say. We greeted her. And the boy, just a couple of minutes after he took the medication, the boy looked at the lady and said, I forgive you. It was not the parents, it was not the pastor, it's the boy that just said, I forgive you. And I preached on forgiveness on Wednesday. But I, I saw forgiveness from an eight-year-old boy. Amen. You see, uh, they normally say the devil doesn't break into empty houses. There is something special about that boy. Who watch the space. There is, remember my words, there is something special about that boy. You watch you watch the space as he grows up. Amen. <laughs> the devil doesn't attack in the manner that he attacks for nothing. Yes. He wanted to take the boy's life prematurely. Yes. But I'm glad the angel of the Lord was there. Yes. Now, and somebody skeptically say, but if the angel was there, why did you, you don't understand how things work. This experience will turn out to make the boy the greatest asset in God's kingdom. Amen. So we appreciate Sister uh, Melody. She just said she felt in her heart moved. Uh, yesterday told Sister Melody uh, that uh, leave the hospital, go home and rest. I will be in charge. So if you see her in church, she was on night duty. Amen. Amen. I was just moved. Uh, I think when you married, you were really partnered with God. Amen. Amen. So sister... We appreciate how you were moved, not by anybody else, by God. Amen. It was her personal burden, yeah. and we appreciate that. We appreciate Dr. Matangu here. Amen. Amen. He's the one that is there in the hospital helping out, and we appreciate Brother Mutlawi as well. Amen. A round of applause for him as well. So we appreciate these two doctors. Brother Brahman says there is a special place in heaven for good doctors. Amen. Amen. Especially godly doctors. Amen. Uh, you know, it's good to hear from a doctor telling you something, but it's more special when it's a believing doctor. Amen. Because if it's that, it's not believing, it's believe that they may be hiding something. But when it's a believing doctor, it's assuring. So we appreciate the doctors here. Amen. 
Brother Tloti and Sister Tloti, stay strong. You will see the purpose of the boy's life in due course. Everything worketh for good to them that love the Lord. There is a purpose about that boy's life. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I almost said, Brother Mpanya and I carry on with choice part two. Amen. Amen. I was listening to music last week. I was driving to Pretoria. I managed to join the song service. My, 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 people can sing. Amen. You are a good singing church. Amen. And I was battling, am I really part of them with this singing? But I say, yeah, namunkon. Amen. A round of applause for our musicians. A serious round of applause. A serious round of applause. Amen. You, you know, in the shower, you can bear with bad singing, but uh, cast acoustics gives so much. It will tell you whether it's good singing or not good, good singing, but I was tremendously blessed. Amen. We know the place is packed. In due time, the contractor will start. We were given by this contractor by God. Amen. He, what he, he, he has done, his track record, and what he's going to do for us, or what he has already done for us, I already see the hand of the Lord. God moved on his heart. Amen. And he, I don't know whether to call it, he made some concessions. Amen. Concessions, it means I will require this much from you, but because you are a church, this is what I will do. And it's not a chance, he is a real uh, bona fide man. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad the believers are quite wrapped up about the, the building. Amen. Amen. We, we see it, we, we can see it. And I believe when we start, we'll be finished in no time. Amen. I was talking to a few elders, I said, uh, Master, you can come for ordinate, for dedication. Me, I'm already on the invitation side. Amen. Because it's going to happen very soon. Amen. Amen. When we start, it should be any time. There's just one green light from him, and then from there, we start. Amen. Amen. And I think we are not going to move here. Uh, I think the board will come and give you how the project is going to be structured. Uh, the board is of the view that uh, you need to see what is happening every week. So we want you to be here as they are busy here so that you see that it's, it's part of what you are doing. Amen. How many are praying for that one? Amen. God bless you for your prayers. Let's turn. I was with Pastor Blessing Mapata. In Pretoria, uh, he said, I must send his greetings. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, I spent time with him and his boat, uh, encouraging them. Uh, you know, when, when a young man tries to do something, there's always uh, going to be skeptics. Uh, uh, 
don't support him, what if he falls? My question is, if he doesn't fall, then what happens? Hallelujah. Yeah. When, if you want to get somewhere with God, wish well for people. Yeah. Celebrate people's successes. Hallelujah. It, it cleanses your soul, it cleanses your system, and you're going to be happy. Uh, because whether people are going to succeed. Even those that you don't think they will succeed, they will succeed. So why, for me, I always say, I want to be on the cheering side. And say, God bless you. Your testimony is very, very inspirational. Amen. I was telling one pastor, sorry to hold you uh, for a while, that in every place where there is a pastor that was ever ordained in the message, they, they ordain a pastor, then after a couple of months or a year, they go back, then they will have another church there that split from the pastor that they ordained. And I so, so I was telling another pastor, I said, we asked Brother Setla to be a pastor in Nelspreit. And thereafter, there's a group that came out and said, we want to be under Pastor Madiba. I had to go back and say, if you really trust me to be a pastor, you go back under the pastor that we ordained. Amen. He's not perfect. You pray for him and you support him. Are, are you with me? Amen. The devil always loves twins yeah. to create confusion. Uh, are you with me? You, you can go there and get tithes, but at what cost? Certain things, when you do them, the question is, at what cost? And then it will allow you to be a very principled person. I am absolutely moved and impressed by what the brethren in Pretoria are doing. They've got a nice place in Brooklyn, a very good facility, and I could see the work of the Lord is going forward, and I was blessed. And I looked at him... And I realized that uh, people do not know. Sometimes you see and admire a person, but you don't know the sacrifices behind. Amen. Then, uh, he, look, the church is in Brooklyn. He stays in Soshanguvi. Normally, the church should be in Soshanguvi while he stays in Brooklyn. Do you see the sacrifice there already? Uh, do you see the sacrifice? Now, then he was telling me, say, you know, Pastor, because normally I would speak to them from time to time, and he reminded me of a phase that he was going through, and said, you remember, I had to take my child back to home, that my parents should take care of the child there while I'm working this, and now the child is back. Then I realized that these things, they take sacrifice. If you see somebody doing something for the Lord, encourage them. Don't discourage them. We need more encouragers. Yes. Hallelujah. Can we get an amen on that one? Amen. amen. I, I will never be jealousy. Even if we, we can ordain a man today and his church becomes bigger than mine, I will still support the man 100%. Are you with me? It's, it's good that every area must have a good local church. It's, it's for our benefit. 
Because if you destroy a church in an area, your child might work in the area. Where is he going to go to church? Are you getting it? The sister, there's a sister that was going to Tabazimbi. And I often get embarrassed. Brother Borerwa, uh, where there's a brother, I don't know where he is, somewhere in Limpopo. Uh, in that place, there is no message church. And I was saying, in this day and age, there is a town where there is no message church. And one sister asked me, uh, she was going to Tabazimbi, say, Pastor, where do I go to church? And I said, there is nothing there. Then I realized that uh, the work is still so much and the laborers are few. Amen. Ideally, we want to have a stable message church in every town. Message church, I'm not talking about satellite. I'm talking about where the pastor stays there. And if I was a satellite pastor, I wouldn't be in the hospital. I would be pastoring with folk. Are you with me? That's not pastorship. Pastorship is being present. Amen. I'm not on that, but I felt led to say that. Genesis 2, that's where we're going to read. Genesis 2, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things. Are you here? And it came to pass after these things. That God did tempt Abraham. Are we all in church this morning? And said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy, thy son. And he said, Take now thy son. Thine only son Isaac. Thine only son Isaac. Whom thou lovest. Whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moria. And get thee into the land of Moria. And offer him there for a bent offering. Upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and settled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and laid the wood for the burnt offering. And rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. I wish one day one minister can be inspired and just preach on the third day. And so the place are far off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the earth, and I and the land will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. said my father he said here I am my son said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering and Abraham said my son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. And laid the wound the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son. And laid him and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here I am. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do thou, thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest the God. Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son. Thy, on, thy only son from heaven, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram. And offered him up for a burnt offering in the state of his son. And Abraham called it the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Bow heads, a gracious heavenly Father, we appreciate you for this occasion to come, dear God, and rally around the word of life. May you be gracious, dear God, as we approach the holy desk, that dear God, as we are about to partake. Like it when my brother in his prayer, he said, we are hungry, Lord. And this morning, we are hungry. 
and we are yearning for that hidden manna, a special revelation. That's why the prophet spoke about it. May you bless everyone here. May you hear their needs and be responsive to their needs. May you turn their challenges into testimonies. May you turn their problems into stepping stones. I commit this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly as you take your seats for a short flight. Amen. This morning I want to speak about total obedience to God. Total obedience to God is what I want to speak about this morning by God's grace. And I think I, don't, I didn't want to veer off that much from the trajectory that you were on from last Sunday. And that is why I say let's speak about total obedience to God. Brother Bram says in the message, if God be with us, then where is all the miracles? He says, obedience comes first before you see miracles. Are you here this morning? Do you want to see miracles? Let's first see obedience. Because obedience always precedes or comes before miracles. Just a headliner that I wanted to start with, just to give you a roadmap of where we are going. Second one, as a headline, it says, when you, in the message, believers said thou this, when you obey God's weight, God is under obligation to answer you. If you believe him, it lays in you. He's under obligation to answer you. Do you understand what obligation means? When we say you're obligated, it means you have got no options except to do what needs to be done. And Brother Brennan says, when you obey God's weight, God, you bring God under obligation where he can't say no, but he's got to say yes. But as long as it is within the parameters of your weight. I will. How many people in the building would want to make God obligated to answer their prayers? Our God is not a statue. Our God is not deaf. Our God is an able God. But we are giving you a recipe of how to bring him into action. Be obedient to his weight. Then you make him to be obligated. In the message, El Shaddai, paragraph 14, as I lay my foundation. When you come to total obedience, then you can have possession. Did you hear? I think the first one you said, we said obedience comes before miracles. Then we said obedience makes God or creates obligation for God to answer you. Now we say total obedience now gives you possession. You want to possess? Be totally obedient. It says when you come to total obedience, then you can have possession. But until you totally obey, you've got to completely surrender your thoughts, your own will, your own mind. And let the mind of Christ operate in you. 
Are you here this morning, folks? Now, there is something that I want to say before I carry on with my subject. I don't know how many of you in the building would have been as our Patrick Abraham when you were told to go and sacrifice a son that you had had waited almost over 25 years in your old age and is the only son. And God says, take the very son and go and make him a burnt offering. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound sensible. I think even if you today, uh, if somebody was to say God told them that, we may say it may. So people obviously will jump and say it's a mental health case. Uh, how dare you want to kill a son? But uh, Abraham had the voice vividly that it was God who told him to do it. And Abraham, most of the time, when God tells us to do something, there is a way to, we call it rationalization. You normally say, uh, it can't be God. How many in the building, I don't know, God once told you to do something, but you will linger longer, and you say, ah, maybe it is not God, maybe it's my imagination. Hallelujah. A Christian has got to be sensitive to the operation of the Holy Spirit. And that is why this morning as we speak about total deliver, our total obedience, we're going to paint a picture of what God can make you do that does not make sense. It was, to me, if you bring such a case, it was, it, it was nonsensical that a man could take his own, own, own son and take him and go and want to sacrifice him. But uh, God's ways are not our ways. And God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Are you still with me? God wanted to test obedience. And Abraham did that. And I'm glad that on the way, even Isaac wondered, what is going on, Dad? We've got here, we've got the wood, and we are going to do the sacrifice. But where is the lamb? And Abraham said something very prophetic. The Lord God himself shall provide himself with a lamb. I don't think if you had made him to pause and say, what are you talking about? He wouldn't have given you the answer. But he was, he was now riding on the wave of his own personal revelation. You know what brought Abraham to that state? He knew that if God gave me an old, a son in my old age, even if this son dies, God will raise him up. Are you with me? I'm talking about total obedience here. Uh, Brother Brenham says, if God can tell me to go to the tomb of Judge Washington and to rise him from the dead, he says, I will invite the whole world. Hallelujah. That's the, that's the kind of confidence that God, Brother Brenham, had in God. And that's the kind of Ab confidence that Abraham had in God. And that's the kind of faith that you must have in God. Are you still with me? And later on, God provided himself a sacrifice. Now, Brother Brenham says in the message of Ajaira, paragraph 147, rather, he says in this message, now we find out that, he, referring to Abraham, he separated himself. And God never did completely bless Abraham until he fully obeyed him. 
and separated himself. And God will never bless an individual or a church or a congregation or a denomination until it fully surrenders itself in obedience to God. We are giving you a recipe here. You will never be fully blessed until you become fully obedient. Not to anything, to God. I think this one is critical. It's a qualifier to God. He carries on in the same message, 61. Jehovah Jireh, different date though. He says, about that time, a ram bleated, hooked with his horn in the wilderness. If you'll just bear with me. He says, and about that time, a ram bleated, hooked with his horn in the wilderness. Where would that ram come from? Look, Abraham was three days' journey from civilization. He was out in the wilderness. And an ordinary man can walk about 30 miles a day. I can. An ordinary man can walk 30 miles in a day. Then he lifted up his head and saw the mountain far off. Watch the impossibilities now. Perhaps between 90 and 100 miles away from civilization. And then again, the ram was up on top of the mountain. Where there is no spring. Nothing for him to drink. Nothing for him to eat. The ram appeared on the scene in the crucial moment. For, for he is a Jehovah Jireh. Uh, this one I want you to pack it in your mind. He will make things that need to appear during a crucial time. Even though it may be impossible, but he is a specialist of the impossibilities. It was impossible for the ram to be there. But when his son was fully obedient to the word of God, and I want to say, obediency produced a ram. And brother will say, he will take care of the circumstances and emergency. Isn't he? Isn't he, brethren? He will take care of circumstances and emergency. Now, we are reflecting on Abraham. We're going to come back to him. But I want to flip it and just show you the, the other coin, other side of the coin of disobedience. Yes. There's two, Brother Ron says, the word Deuteronomy means two laws. He says God has got two laws, the law of life and the law of death. And for you to thrive in the law of life, you've got to be obedient. And for you to die in the law of death, you've got to be disobedient. Yes, now, in Samuel 15, verse 22, it says, and Samuel, Samuel, or maybe let's go back to verse 1, brother. We'll come to this one. It says, and Samuel said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 2. 
Thou sayest the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalekai, the Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, and when he came up from Egypt, when the Amalekites ambushed the Israelites. Now, here is a commandment now. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Not some, utterly destroy all that they have. And spare them not, but slay both men and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Verse 4. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talim and 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Canaanites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For he showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites. And Samuel smote the Amalekites from Havilia until thou comest to Shu, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agak, the king of the Amalekites, and alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. And Saul and the people spread Agag and the beast of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Are you getting it here? They, they kept good stuff and destroyed bad stuff. But God's commandment was totally, you need to utterly destroy them all. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe even when we come into this uh, uh, path of holiness, we've got to destroy everything Amen. of the devil. Amen. Are you still with me? I say everything of the devil deserves destruction. Verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. I regret it. For he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. Verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and is gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He's lying now. Yeah. Do you see? Disobedience breeds other sins. Yeah. And the Bible says, actually, disobedience is, is, is rebellion, and rebellion is witchcraft. Yeah. Verse 14. And someone said, what meaneth then this bleating 
of the sheep in the mine eyes and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. If God says destroy something and you don't destroy it, it's going to make noise. Hallelujah. Let me say it one more time. If God says destroy something and you keep it, it's going to make noise. Hallelujah. And it's going to make noise at times when it is inconvenient. When you want it to be silent, that's when it makes noise. Are you still with me here? That's why when, when, when you supposed to destroy something and you don't destroy it, it will destroy you. Hallelujah. Here is a man, he was called and anointed to be a king. But because of his, 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 his misbehavior, God even repented why he had made him a king. Let's carry on, verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the beast of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord their God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Are you hearing him here? Then someone said unto Saul, stay. I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. Now he's lying. How can you lie to a prophet? Now later now, when he realizes he's been caught out, he says, it is the people. Now he's divorcing accountability. Going back to last week's message, you can never be, you can never make choices and make them to be devoid of accountability. Whatever choice that you make, there's got to be accountability. Hallelujah. Either you're going to get a reward for it or you're going to pay for it. But yes, you've got a choice to make a choice, but you don't have a choice not to choose consequences. Are you with me? Verse 17. And someone said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. You know, when I read this, and I, remind, I got reminded somewhat that pastors at the day of judgment that would say, ah, you know, we were supposed to do it this way, but we made it this way because the people preferred it this way. God is going to ask them a question. You were anointed to stand. You were anointed to preach the gospel. You cannot divorce accountability. Let's carry on. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But didst thou fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yeah, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I said, That was a big lie. And I've gone the way which the Lord sent me. It's a big lie. And I've brought Agak, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. And the people took the spoil, sheep, oxen, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Is blaming people to sacrifice unto the Lord their God in Gilgal. Verse 22. And someone said, Had the Lord 
has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Hallelujah. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fate of rams. Verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. No one wants to be a witch. But many of us, we are rebels. But in God's economy, we fall in the same category. For rebellion is as sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And that's why Abraham says, if you want to get somewhere with God, never be arrogant. says, be humble all the time. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being a king. What caused the soul, his kingship, was disobedience. But let us, I want to give you examples. I was just giving you about a guy that made a decision to be disobedient and what were the consequences of that disobedience. We looked at Abraham, but I want to come to blind Bartimaeus. Brother Vaughan says, in God's way, that's been made for us. Listen to the story of this man. He says, I read the story of blind Bartimaeus. One day, a little story. They said that he had been blind for years. He had been blind for? Yes. yes. If you feel sleepy, you go and stand at the back. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I read, they said that he had been blind for years. He had a little daughter he had never seen. A daughter that he had? And he used to go up there and sit at the street. He had a lamb, a little lamb. The lambs used to lead the blind people like the dogs does today. It was a guide. The dogs lead the blind men. They had a lamb trained to lead the blind. Then one day, I read one day, so one night, his wife, am I still to... to I think, let's go to the next slide. I read the story of blind Bartimaeus one day, a little story. They said he had been blind for years. He had a little daughter he had never seen. And he used to go up there at the street. He had a little lamb. The lambs used to lead the blind. Paragraph 22, I've read that one. He had two little turtle doves. And they would do little tumbles. Like that, to attract tourist attention, going into Jerusalem or into the city, and they would drop coins in his cup. He was blind. He was a beggar. So one night, his wife got really sick. So he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I haven't got nothing. I'm a poor man. I'm a blind man. I haven't got nothing to give you, but I believe you, Lord. And if you will just have mercy and let my poor wife live, tomorrow I will give you my turtle dove for a sacrifice. The Lord healed his wife that night. The next day he went back through a priest and offered up two turtle doves for a sacrifice. 
Then he had nothing but the lamb. The turtle doves were a source of income. They would make some, some, some tricks that attracted the tourist's attention. It was the turtle doves were his livelihood. But he made a promise to God and said, God, heal my wife. I will give you the turtle doves. I will give you my livelihood. What a risk. And God kept his promise. Now this man had to go to the priest to give up the title doves. And after he had done that in paragraph 225, not long after that, his little girl got sick. The doctors could do nothing for her. He said, Lord, I only got one thing left. He said, that's the lamb. But if you let my little girl, who I have never seen, if you only let her get well, then I will give you my lamb for a sacrifice. Then the Lord healed his little girl. A few days after that, he started up the street, the lamb leading him. And came as the high priest came and said, Blind Bartimaeus, where goest thou? He said, I go, O high priest, to the temple. The lamb is leading me to the temple to offer the lamb for a sacrifice. Oh, he said, you can't do that. He said, yes. But, but Timur said, yes. said, yeah, I will give you the price of a lamb. You go buy one. The priest is feeling compassion for Batimio. Say, rather than sacrificing this one, let me give you the money to get another one. He said, I never promised God a lamb. I promised him this lamb. Are you hearing it here, folks? It was, it was a lamb, and many of us would have seen it's a lamb. But this is not what was promised. What was promised was this lamb. Not a replacement. Hallelujah. This lamb. Uh, uh, do you get what we mean? And I, I've got a question. How many of us would have jumped at the opportunity? And would have even said, this brother was suggested by the high priest. But the matter was not between the high priest and God. It was a matter between blind Bartimaeus and God. There are certain matters that are not between you and the church. They are not between you and the pastor. They are between you and God. Are you here? There are conversations that you have had with God privately. Do you remember those conversations? There are commitments that you have made to God privately. And there are things that you promised God privately. And I'm here as a minister of the gospel to remind you of those conversations. Are you still with me? Some of us who were sick, we're on the deathbed, but we made a promise, Lord. If you give me one more chance, I'm going to rise up from this bed and I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'm going to be completely surrendered to your will. And I'm here to remind you of that time. We all have had conversations with God. We have all had conversations during the difficult time where you had no way out, but in your heart you say, Lord, if you heal me, this is what I'm going to do. But how many of us have we forgotten? 
but I'm here to remind you about what blind Bartimaeus said. He said this lamb, and it had to be that lamb. Not a replacement, but the very lamb that he promised to God. It sounded irresponsible, but I say here is a man that was fully surrendered to God. Here is a man that was displaying total obedience to God. And he said, said, this is the priest, blind Bartimaeus, thou cannot take that lamb. That lamb is your eyes. You can't see without that lamb. That lamb leads you. That's your eyes. Blind Bartimaeus, you can't offer that lamb. Said so the old man, tremble a little bit and say, Oh, high priest, again, you can see the DNA of Abraham. In blind Bartimaeus, many years back, Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And today, blind Bartimaeus, thousands and thousands of years later, he says exactly the same thing. Oh, high priest, God will provide a lamb for blind Bartimaeus' eyes. What a, what a faith. This is the audacity of faith. Are you still with me? I hope we are together. In one message, Brother Bram say, what you do today, your children may benefit many years down the line. Are you still with me? And that's why I always act good. Good. Be good to people. Someone, somewhere you are sowing the seed. And like bread cast upon the water, it shall return to you someday. But we know what happened. After he gave up the lamb. And he was still there. Now he had no title doves. Now he had no lamb, but he was there, destitute. But he had a healthy wife. Hallelujah. I say he had a healthy wife. And he had a healthy daughter. And the daughter and the wife meant more to blind Bartimaeus than the lamb entitled doves. And my question, what are you willing to give for your family? Folks, when you fight a battle, there is what we call must-win battle. You can tell the table, I can lose that one. I can lose there. But over there, it's non-negotiable table. There, I'm not prepared to lose at all time. Are you still with me? Identify those areas. And you say, table, here I can understand. Over there, I can understand. But over there, hallelujah, I can remind the old Job. He said, you can take everything, but my relationship with God. Hallelujah. It must remain standing. I hope we are together. And one day, blind Bartimaeus was there. And he was there. He began to hear the noise. And when he heard the noise, then he realized that it's the Messiah. And he began now, blind Bartimaeus became anxious. Blind Bartimaeus realized it's my opportunity. This is my window gap to get what I want. I've lost the title doves. I've lost the lamb. But here is the lamb of God moving around. Amen. And blind Bartimaeus began to scream, Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. And they say, blind Bartimaeus, it is not according to the mannerism. You are attracting unnecessary attention to yourself. Brother, there are times when you need God's attention. It doesn't matter who's next to you. It doesn't matter what dignitaries are next to you. It's a matter between you and God. 
And blind Bartimaeus let go of the decorum. Blind Bartimaeus let go of his dignity. Son of David, have mercy on me. And they say, shush, you are making noise. He said, I'm going to even increase my debisal. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. The more they wanted to quieten him down, the louder he became. Until that day, blind Bartimaeus received his sight. But what did he lose first? He had to demonstrate total obedience. Obedience comes before the miracles. Now, blind Bartimaeus had to be obedient and display obediency before the miracle of the restoration of his eyesight came. What are you willing to do before your miracle? Let's get this one. It's a testimony of a brother that you know. I wanted to give a background to it. Just scroll a bit down. Brother Ron says, and so brother Sharit, Every brother in the message would want to be Brother John Charit. And nothing wrong with that. Folks, I need to bring a balance here. God is a giver of good things. God wants to bless us. There is nothing wrong with wanting a new car or a new house. It's in line. But when you get to them, don't forget there is eternal destination. Are you, are you with me, folks? There's got to be a balance because when you just chase that but you don't think about your eternal destination, it becomes problematic. I hope we are together. That's why in this church I can say, may God give you a house. I expect you to say amen. May God give you a car. I expect you to say amen. May God rapture your body. I expect even a louder amen. I hope we are together here. And I've said it many times and I've said it when I was in Pretoria. There will be poor people among us. It's the nature of life. You know, brother, there was a time where we thought everyone can be a businessman. Remember the time everybody was told uh, take retirement, brother. If you were not made to be a businessman, yeah. even me, I thought I can be, but I realized, ah, are you with me, folks? It's not an easy stuff. Now, we can preach a message and say, all of you are gonna be businessmen, it's a lie. I say it's a lie because you are created differently. You've got different skill sets. You've got different purposes. So God is not a, a communist. But the, some of us, when we pray, we must say, there is a prayer that David prayed. Say, Lord, don't make me too rich to forget you. And don't make me too poor that I end up stealing. But in that corner, don't condemn the one that is richer. Job was rich. Abraham was rich. As long as you are able to handle a blessing, it's fine with that. But I refuse the gospel that will say, come believe the message, we are all going to be rich. It's a lie. The Bible says, take care of the poor among you. Because the Bible knew there will be poor people among us. Ahead in other places, people being discouraged. Don't marry a brother that, uh, that is on a taxi. Not every brother was born driving a car. 
I said, not every brother was born driving a car. Some became pedestrian for years. But God was molding their character. And if you miss the opportunity because he didn't have a car, the day God blesses him. Hallelujah. And he gets married to a sister. The sister, in the midst of his poverty, the sister looks through what God can do. And he may, she marries him in the poverty. And after marriage some years, God changes them. And you rejected him, you're going to die of stroke. Don't refuse a brother based on material. Check with God first. I say check with God first. I sometimes look at the brothers in this church that God has blessed them. You must check where they come from first. If they show you certain pictures, you will say, hey, Sister, did you accept him while things were like this? You are coming where the movie is coming to finality. But there was a time where the movie was ugly. Hallelujah. Let's come to this. So, Brother Sharit, he was born kind of a fellow that didn't have very much of the world's goods. His father was a very poor man. He was very rowdy. He left his mother. So, Brother John Sharit was raised by a single mother. Brother Sharit's father is what in modern day times they call him. He was a deadbeat. A deadbeat is a man that giveth forth children and doesn't take care of them. And Brother Brim says, if you do that, you are worse than an infidel. A man has got to be a provider, a protector. Can I get an amen on that one? And brothers, in our homes, we need not to be boogeymen. Ho, ho, ho. Our children, brother Francisco, they must be able to come and play on our laps. Hallelujah. Brush your hair, hit, and say, Dad, you are back home. Not every time, biking. Where's food? But we staying with a dad here or a lion. Brethren, you must have certain gentleness when you come to your family. Again, uh, brothers, are you here? Yeah. A man that takes care of his wife, his wife doesn't age faster. Yeah. I've said it. The best anti-aging uh, product is your husband that is devoted to God and that takes care of his wife. Uh, we are not, the message didn't call us to be hermits. A hermit is somebody that wants to demonstrate how holy they are by being distanced to their wives. No! This is not what the message says. The message says we need to be gentle in our houses. The children must feel safe around us. We must create a safe environment. Even our wives must feel safe in our, in our midst. Not always biking. You are not a dog. You are a son of God. Let the dogs do the barking and you do the encouragement and the loving. We want husbands that are saturated by love. Loving their wives as they love their own bodies. Are you here? Can I get an amen to husband? Amen. 
He left his mother and John Sharit was about 15 years ago. Was selling apples a nickel apiece out in front of him like this in St. Louis. Couldn't have a car to take care of his mother. He had an impediment of speech. So he was not only a victim of an absent father, but he, had, he was poor. And furthermore, he had an impediment of speech. He couldn't talk at all. If you go to talking, just then that he tried, he, he, so he was stammering. He tried again. Like if he was going to say good evening, he would say, Gugu, Brother Brennan makes unintelligible noises to display how he would speak. That's, what, that, that's about the way he would try to get it awful bad. Well, but he began to seek the Lord when he was a boy. The, now, this is the key that will unlock something. And all the boys running out to different places with young ladies. He said, Lord, this is a matter of choice now. Lord, I am going to trust you. I would be awful out trying to talk to the young ladies. But I want to be married and have children. I am going to serve you and you give me a wife. He committed it to the Lord at about the age of 25. He could have passed every woman by in the world. He couldn't have a better one than what he's got. Are you listening to us young men? Most of the time we speak about the virginity of sisters. But even brothers must be virgins. Oh, this one, they won't say amen. amen. Whose daughter do you want to marry after running around? Mm -hmm. If she keeps herself chaste, you keep yourself chaste. Uh, can I get an amen here? God gave him a lovely little Spaniard, Spanish woman. But one great thing, he loved the children so well. This sister now, she was barren. I'm, now I'm piling the list now. Raised by a single parent. Hallelujah. Poor. Speech impediment. Now marries a wife. The wife is barren. He was married for many, many years. Six, seven, eight, ten years. No children. He cut concrete on the street, 25 cents an hour to make a living. They had saved their money, and they bought a little three-room house. I think it cost about $1,500, $1,500 back in the time of the Depression. They had paid and paid and paid and strived and paid 
until they paid all of it off. Now they've got a little property. Just about the time they've got it, off, got it all paid off, they had a revival in Phoenix. And there was a man by the name of Dr. Sutton. Don't know whether you know him or not. He was by birth a Canadian. A gospel, a full gospel preacher came down there to Phoenix. And he was staying in a tourist camp. And the Lord appeared to Brother Charity one night in a dream. He said to him, take your silverware and your clothes and your wife and leave your home and turn that over to Brother Sutton. Let me put a disclaimer. I don't want anyone's house. I'm just preaching here. Are you hearing me? It's not the preacher that said, give me the house. It's not the someone that was my... It's God. The preacher doesn't know anything, but God comes down and speaks to him and says, the very house that you only have and that labored for many years, give it to this man. Think of it. Think. After about 10 years of hard labor in depression, recession, saving and striving, and the Lord told him to turn that place to Dr. Sutton, which I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Is this Sutton? Or Sutton? English speakers, help us. Yeah? Sutton. Oh, Sutton. Oh, okay. Krista, thanks, Sister Macy. Which was a well-known minister. Let's get it all. Brother Sharit said, All right, Lord. Went to his little companion and said, Honey, my, what a conversation. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> the Lord has spoken to me and told me to turn our house over and just to take our silverware and our clothes and turn the house over to Dr. Sutton. When he went and told her, you, you see, that's when you have married your material. Uh, are you hearing me? Sister Mafagaza cannot be there the whole night with Sister Felicia until this man is made of the same material. She told her and she said, all right, dear. My, she believed in her husband. Sisters, this is the way it becomes key. Most men are crippled because their wives don't believe in them. Even when there are, can I get an amen? There are times where your husband may not make sense but may feel led to do something or go a certain way. Hallelujah. And when you ask him, there doesn't anybody say, the Lord has put it in my heart. And here is a question. Do you have the capacity as a sister to say, God bless you? Or we need an all-night debate. Vugas Kulum. 
three o'clock in the morning. Ay, ay, so Mm, sisters, until when he's sleeping, you look at I am What? The Lord told me. Are you sure it's the Lord? She said, All right, dear. She believed in her husband. And said, if the Lord said for you to do that, God has got something else for us to do. Hallelujah. He turned all he had now. He didn't have no place to take his wife that night. Hey, folks. I don't know about you. Me, I'm going to be honest. If Brother Charity was with us worshipping here, I would have gone to his house. And say, daughter, are you sure? Hmm? This man, where do you know from? No, it's just a, God told me. He's just a minister having a revival. Hey, daughter. I would have even said, we sure tried it. I'm showing you how the devil can do gymnastics until it robs you of your innocency when it comes to the things of God. Hmm? Then he found the tourist camp that cost 75 cents. And they stayed in the tourist camp that night and making 25 cents and our cutting concrete on the street. You know, even if it was here after church, we would have said, are you going back to the tourist camp, brother? Just to remind you of uh, you made a wrong choice. I'm showing you the authenticity of a relationship between a man and God. It it doesn't come from the... It's between him and God. He's a great man, weighs about 225 pounds. And about a week later, some rich lady told him that she would move some of her things back in her garage if he wanted to live in a garage up towards Camelback Mountain. We'll get on. And she said, if you will keep my yacht trimmed of, a, of evening when you come in and keep the grass watered and so forth, said, you can live in my garage free. Amen. Now, the man is becoming a garden boy. For a rich lady. I, I'm, I'm bringing a human element there. As human beings would have been suspected, he's staying in the garage of this. Where's the husband of this sister? And would have told the sister, hey, are you here? Open your eyes. Where is this man moving in this woman's garage? What is he up to? 
I'm talking about human thoughts now. <laughs> he moved up there without one thing. He got some boxes. Got him springs and laid on the floor. Got his, him a mattress put on his, and his wife slept there. And Brother Sutan said, Brother Sharit, he said, Brother Sharit said, the Lord had said for me to do that. That's all right. So the minister said, it can't be. But the brother said, he told me to do it. He went on. He was that way about a year. Lived a good Christian life. And finally, the lady that he lived with was a multi-millionaire woman. And she saw his honesty. <laughs> he was a Christian like Daniel down in Babylon. She went up to him and said, one day, she said, John, she said, you know what? The Lord spoke to me last night in a dream. And told me that I shall loan you $10,000 to go in business. Why? He said. He couldn't talk. Said lady, I can't even talk. I will never make a businessman. She said. But the Lord told me to do it. And here is a check. He said, well, I can't take it. said, I don't want $10,000 laying, you know. She said, but the Lord said for me to give it to you. I noticed you have been a good man. I've seen you reading the Bible. I got a Bible and was reading. The Lord told me to give you the check. Loan it to you for $10,000 to go in business. And he took the check. He didn't know what to do. But God knew what he was doing. He went on and one evening he was walking up and he saw a little old five-room house for a sale for $2,000. So he went down there and cashed the check and bought it for $2,000. And went down there, him and his wife, and began to knock the plastering of the place and replastered it at night. Him and his wife working together. A man that is working with his wife will go far. It's a, it's a principle. Are you with me? The wife wasn't going this way. The husband going. They were going in the same direction. And God was the one providing the leadership. And he blasted up the house. Fixed the ground. And put a same sign up on it. And if they have gotten 3,000, they would have made money. He sold it for 6,000. Today, John Sharitz is worth half a million dollars. This was in the 50s. That's been about six or seven years ago since he started. Worth a half a million dollars. He's the father of three fine little children. Now they have children. He said, Brother Brenham, what if, if Dr. Sutton would have, wouldn't have taken what God told me to do, see what would have been. Now he stood there, Lord, whenever I see your program, he had, he had so much money, he owns all 
orange grooves, ranch houses. He owns big Thunderbird Ranch there, one of the greatest there is in Arizona. He said, all these things, I've got more money than I know what to do with it. God gave him a fine little girl, then a little boy, then a little girl. That's the reason he's in with us tonight. The little baby is just recently born. His wife had been barren for all these years. Now she's bearing children. Oh, what a happy family. He said, when I come to Phoenix, he said, he went up to the meeting one night and said, Lord, isn't, where, isn't that where you were talking about? Then he come to me and said, Brother Branham, you don't owe me a penny, but if I can pass you ahead or bring your coat, I want to be in the campaign. I had prayer for him, and God restored his speech back to him again. He is healed with fine home everywhere, gives his tithes to the Lord of everything he makes. Those that know, Brother Charity, we used to give four million US dollars a year. Now, you see, brothers, all of them, they want to be John Charit. But here is a question. Do we have the capacity for his obedience? Do our wives have the capacity for his obedience? Look, this was an example. I don't say go and look and say we're going to give somebody a house. It has to be the Lord. But I'm, I'm, I'm displaying to you what God can do when you are fully surrendered to him. It has to be God. If it's you with human feelings, you're going to end up in trouble. It has to be God. Because now you can see the deep called to the deep. It was the God in Brother Sharit. Later it was God on this multimillionaire woman. It was God in the entire move. Are you with me tonight? This morning? Total. Obedience doesn't mean it's going to be reasonable. It won't make sense. It will be difficult. Even when you explain to people, it won't make sense. Let's carry on. The message, what is the works of God? I want to show you the obedience to the Holy Spirit. Brabham says, paragraph 3, just reminds me of one time, I believe it was done down in Georgia. There was a little lady, and it was very crowded in the auditorium. And there was a little woman sitting on the front seat, just a typical little southern mother. She had compassion on a woman walking around with a little baby in her arms. And there was not even a hardly standing room. So she thought that that's the reason she was feeling sorry for the little woman. The Holy Spirit said to her, go, pray for that baby. Oh, she said back, ever what that was that spoke to me, I will not pray for that baby. That mother's holding a prayer card that she just received. Brother Brenham will be praying for that baby tonight if it's cold in the prayer line. And said, I would never go pray for that baby. And the Holy Spirit said, go pray for that baby. Can you imagine, Brother Mahuko, you are in a meeting and Brother Brenham is there. 
and the woman has got a prayer card. But the Holy Spirit says, you pray for the baby. You, you feel out of place and say, but she's got a prayer card. And the prophet is more senior. He's the one that must pray. But the Holy Spirit kept on saying to the lady, you go and pray for him. It kept upon her heart so strong that she couldn't get away from that conviction. So well, after a while, she thought, well, I will give that woman my seat. So she came, sit down with the baby. That will give me an opportunity maybe to get it off my mind. You know, it's always best. It's always best to obey what the Holy Spirit says do. Don't talk back. Just obedience. You might not understand, but you do it anyhow. If it's the Holy Spirit, God is always right. So then when the little woman passed her by again, she raised up and said, Sister, pardon me. I said, said, I see you've got a sick baby. She said, it's very bad. Something I forget what it was wrong with just a little time now. She said, it's very ill. She said, we have brought it for maybe perhaps that Brother Brandon would pray for it. And she said, I see you're holding a prayer card. She said, yes. I'm hoping it will be called in the prayer line tonight. She said, honey, since that you are a Christian, would you just give me the opportunity to relieve my soul of a burden that the Holy Spirit is putting upon me? She said, why go right ahead? What is it? She said, the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for that baby. She said, would you mind if I just prayed for it to get off my mind? She said, I've been watching you. For watching you for all about half an hour. Said, if you will let me do that, I'll give you my seat here. She said, you don't have to give me the seat here. Certainly pray for the baby. The little mother laid her hands on this little baby and said just a few words of simple prayer. She gave her the seat and she went up into the balcony, maybe something like this, around two, three hundred balconies high. And there was gentlemen up there who had just seen the lady and said, take this seat. Well, about five minutes, ten minutes from then, I came, I come in and spoke a few minutes. And I said, we will call the prayer cast now. I said, now last night we called at a certain place. Tonight we'll call at another place. So whatever the Lord put upon my mind where it was, most of you are acquainted with the meeting. That's where I called. It happened to be. Listen now. That little mother was happy because her baby was about second or third in line. So as she come up before the platform to be prayed for, of course, the only way I catch it is on tape, you see, because it's a vision. After it's over, I mean, it's how I understand it. The little Holy Spirit said to the little woman, told her who she was, and said, you have your baby for a certain cause. And that was right. She said, but said, the baby is already being healed. The baby is a? Who healed the baby? Who prayed for the baby to be healed? Who? It was not Brother Brenham. He says, the baby is already being healed. The blessing is on the baby. Brother said, there was a little woman that's got certain color hair, wearing a little checkered dress. Said so that's her sitting up in the balcony up, up there. The Lord has just healed the baby. Amen. 
You see how the Holy Spirit works? The woman thought, the woman thought because I was the evangelist, I had the powers to do the healing, and it should be me. But see, I couldn't have compassion on that baby like that mother could. Brother what said there are certain things a mother feels. Hallelujah. And this is exactly how this mother felt towards the child. And God honored and healed that baby. And it got absolutely well. We received its testimony. See, it pays to obey what the Spirit says do. Do quickly. Are you here this morning, this morning church? And my question is, how many of us, the Holy Spirit nudged you, but you spent time pushing back? Are you a mother? There are times where the Holy Spirit will just nudge you to pray, and you don't know why. There is a reason for it. Let's come to this. Who's this? Paragraph 162. The prophet says, what if somebody sinned? Maybe they did do something you ought not to have done. Maybe they ought to have done something they did not do or something on that manner. And here they are with God permitting Satan to hold that curse on them, to bring them to something, to obedience. Then it says, sickness sometimes is a whip God uses to bring obedience. And what if that person stand there and I say, oh, hallelujah, glory to God, praise God, anoint them with oil and pray for them, and I happen to cast that evil spirit off of them, and God permitted it to be put there, I'm in trouble right then with God. See what I mean? But I'm going to say sometimes sicknesses, God is not the source of sicknesses, but sometimes God permits a sickness to strike you to bring you to total obedience. Because if God says, go this way, you go that way, you're going to pay. And the message, the token. Paragraph 338. The prophet says, the token is the sign that the purchase has been made and has been accepted. Now you can't get the token from railroad fare until you pay the price. The only way you're going to pay the price is pay it. That's right. What? Believe it. Accept it. Obedience, full obedience to the whole word of God will entitle you to the token. Full obedience. Not the part of it as far as your denomination goes, but all of it. Full obedience to the word, which is Christ, brings you into Christ. Now, what if you was just all in, but your feet hanging out, but if you was all in with hands hanging out, most of all, all, most all of us in, but the heart hanging out. See, see, the heart is the heart is the, is the heart is still in the world yet, but we don't do that. Full, complete obedience puts you and the weight one. You believe every bit of it, and all of it is in you, and you watch it waking through. So in closing, I'm simply saying a total obedience to the word of God entitles you to blessings. A total obedience to the word of God entitles you to victory.
But that total obedience doesn't come easy. You have got to ride against the tide. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but you've got to follow your conviction. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do it and do it quickly. But make sure it is the Holy Spirit because the devil can impersonate the Holy Spirit. And I say with total obedience, look at what happened with Abraham. Look what happened with Job. Look what happened with Brother Sharif. When we are fully obedient to the word of God, God will open the ways. Are you still with me? God bless you. As we stand to our feet. All I want is to be like Jesus. This life's journey, my desire is to be like Jesus.
gracious heavenly father thank you lord our hearts are bubbling with joy full of gratitude thank you lord thank you once more almighty god you have gathered us here lord and you didn't disappoint mm. We came here prayerful, knowing very well, Heavenly Father, that is life and death. What we hear, Almighty God, will take us to heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Or else will take us to hell. That's why on a daily basis our prayers is to uplift our precious pastor. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It is our prayer once more, Lord, as we are taught, Heavenly Father, that one day when death comes, Mm -hmm. we will be waiting. Mm And we'll be resting on what he taught us. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray once more. He's not special amongst us, Mm. but he's special in you, Heavenly Father. Mm. I pray for him and his family. Let it be so, Father. That they support him. Mm. Because all of us here, mm. we are resting on his leadership, Lord. Mm. Thank you. If you guide him, Heavenly Father, you protect him, you mm. give him strength always. Mm. And we know, Heavenly Father, that we are all, Heavenly Father, saved. Thank you. That's my sincere prayer, Lord. Let it be so far. Here is your children. Some they know you as their personal savior. Exactly. Some they don't know you, Heavenly Father. It's my sincere prayer once more. That you reveal yourself amongst them, Lord. Let it be so that wherever they are, Heavenly Father, what you taught them this morning, that they will remember Heavenly Father. Bless our visitors, Almighty God. May they always find it easy to come to this church and fellowship with us, Lord. Know that the Holy Spirit is here to answer every question that they have. Mm. I pray for your laity, Heavenly Father, once more. Know your children came with expectations, Lord. Mm. May you bless them accordingly, Heavenly Father. It's not come and sing the songs mm. and hear the word mm. and just go home as usual. Mm. May it be different once more. Let it be so, Father. Better. Mighty God, while we meditate, may we think of all these things. May we be different, Heavenly Father. Mm. May we be better Christians after this sermon's Lord. Yes. May we be better fathers. May we be better mothers. May we be better children. 
I pray once more, Heavenly Father, that when people want to see the miracles, may they look upon our lives mm. That's right. and see miracles in our lives. If they want to see Jesus Christ alive, mm. may they look upon our lives and see him in flesh. Mm. That, be so that is our prayer this afternoon, Lord. Bless us once more, Heavenly Father. We need thy guidance, Lord. That is so Everything that we do, everywhere we go, whatever that we do, may you remind us to do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you not just haphazardly do things and say things, Lord, but always think that whatever we do must bring glory and praises unto thee. Lord. Yes. Bless our musicians. Let it be so far. Bless each and everyone here, Heavenly mm. Father. The dedication that they show upon, Lord, mm. it's our prayer that you reward them, Heavenly Father. Let it Father. be so far. And the world look upon your church. Mm. May they wonder, Heavenly Father, and see that you are amongst us, Lord. Let it be so far. This is my prayer once more. Bless each and every one. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all the church shall agree by saying, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Keep me true, Lord Jesus. Keep me true. Amen. Just two songs before we go. Amen. Make Malaga happy. If he's not happy, he won't make us happy. Amen. Oh, how can we help him, Malaga? Oh, volume. All right. You're all right. Let's make Malaga happy. Are you happy? All right. Who is happy?
many say there is a race that I must run? Amen. Give us one and then you are dismissed. Have a blessed week. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week. I'm happy I see I was wondering what did the deacon say. I see everybody was so early today. Amen. Whatever made you early, I pray made multiply. Amen. Amen. A round of applause for being early. Um, I like an early church. Amen. Amen. Let's sing that one and have a blessed week. Oh, yeah.